Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. So glad you're with us for the Tuesday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. We have all crazy martinis for you today, except for the fact that we're sponsored by the good folks over at Stamps.com. Right now, Three Martini Lunch listeners can get a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a digital scale without any long-term commitment. And what do we tell you about all the amazing discounts? That's still to come, but go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in Three Martini to access all those good deals. All right, Jim, crazy number one. Yesterday, Joe Biden came out of his basement. We'll talk about that a little bit more in the second crazy martini. But uh, yesterday he came out, went to Pittsburgh, talked about violence, talked about his uh, economic plan. And I'm using quotation marks with my fingers here. Uh, But as you've noticed today, Jim, it is now September 1st. We're basically a little over 60 days away from election day. And Joe Biden, the uh, Democratic nominee for president, has a totally open schedule on a Tuesday at the beginning of September. Uh, Obviously, the Democrats seem to be uh, content to have him in public as little as possible. They only bring him out when they think the issue warrants it, like yesterday. But what do you make of this strategy and the fact that we're now really into the home stretch and they're still going with this? Well, look, we've seen for months and months now the argument from the Trump campaign and Trump supporters outside the campaign, Biden is senile, uh, Biden is in failing health. Biden can't handle the, uh, the, the physical toll of campaigning and all that stuff. And I'm sure the Biden campaign thinks this is absolute nonsense. It's really unfair. He's in perfect health for a guy who's going to turn 78 right after the election. I got the email this morning and I didn't really think too much of it, but the Biden campaign, I'm on the press list and it says, yes, the only thing scheduled listed on his campaign uh, schedule is a fundraiser for this afternoon. Um, then if you think, okay, well, sometimes they can add things throughout the day. Uh, by about 9.20, the Biden campaign called a lid. That Basically, that means uh, that there are no further events. He is not expected to go anywhere. Uh, he is not expected to you know, interact with the press uh, any further for the day. Um, it's kind of a way of allowing reporters to get a sense of the schedule for the day so they don't necessarily have to sit around waiting for the, pres- for the candidate to come out and make any further remarks. As of today, September 1st, the only thing Joe Biden is doing today, a Tuesday, is attending this virtual fundraiser. That's it. That's weird. That's really not normal. We've had the conventions, right? This is traditionally where things are supposed to really kick into a higher gear and, and turn into a bigger deal. For perspective on how soon we are to the election, in four days, the state of North Carolina starts sending out the absentee ballots and, and, for, early, and for people who aren't going to be uh, uh, voting in person. In less than three weeks, you have people voting in the states of Virginia and I believe Minnesota. By September 21st, I believe there are a whole bunch of states that are probably about eight or nine states have already started early voting. And Biden's doing nothing public today. I don't know if this means that Biden has some serious health issue. I don't know if this means that they're hiding something. I do recall that back in 2016, the uh, the Hillary Clinton campaign insisted she was fine. And then after the September 11th ceremony, all of a sudden, ironically, right almost almost right around the same time, um, the Hillary Clinton, after she collapsed, the and you know, it was caught on camera, they bring her into that van 
the, you know, also, oh, but she's had walking pneumonia for the past couple of weeks. Oh, oh, really? You know, you kept telling us she was fine, that it was just a dry cough from speaking a lot. So I, I hope Joe Biden is well. I think he's well. He seemed fine enough in that 24-minute uh, uh, speech in Pittsburgh yesterday, but um, didn't take any questions. We're, we're not seeing a ton of him every day. And so you can't be surprised that these sorts of things happen. It's really, really strange to have on a weekday in September, a presidential candidate doing nothing. I mean, maybe he's taping videos or, or maybe there's something else going on that he's got going on behind the scenes. But uh, this, this counts as a crazy martini, Greg, because it's just weird for him to have so little on his schedule at a time like this. Absolutely. Uh, a couple of quick thoughts on that, because I think you're absolutely right. Once you get to September, you're supposed to be barnstorming. And even in the era of COVID, you can do the airport hangar thing, and he just doesn't seem all that interested in doing that. Uh, first of all, in terms of the Biden press list, I'm on that email thing too. Those people have gone nuts with the number of emails they send. It's driving me absolutely crazy. They used to at least uh, keep a moderate pace, but now they're just they're just out of control. Uh, Jim, uh, he did have another senior moment yesterday. He mumbled all over the place talking about COVID at one point in a scripted speech where he seemed to be just kind of locked onto the prompter. Uh, the other thing I would say, though, I'm certainly not in the business of uh, being a political consultant. I think the Trump people are still going down this Joe Biden is senile. It didn't necessarily show up in the convention speech, but it's going to show up on the debate stage because there's no script there. And maybe that's the case. But as long as you keep cranking down expectations, he's probably going to meet them. So if you go in instead with Joe Biden's got a lot to answer for on this, this, this and this, then you raise the stakes for what Biden's got to accomplish. But uh, nobody seems to be doing that. Yeah, Greg, I don't know how much you know, I'm picturing them somewhere in the Biden campaign headquarters. So they're sitting around the table and somebody's. So here's my plan. We spend a few weeks people thinking he's getting people to believe he's in failing health and he's going senile. And I'm just hoping some boss would say, let me stop you right there. <laughs> yeah, maybe he comes out and does gangbusters in the debate. But just let's just assume it's possible he doesn't do gangbusters in the debate. And now you're stuck with the impression you created that he's, you know, uh, in deep trouble physically or mentally. So, yeah. Yeah, smart. Very smart. Uh, let's talk about uh, something that actually is very smart. And that is saving money for your business is also just having a lot more convenience by using stamps.com. So we've got this new normal now, and we're slowly getting back to kind of what used to be normal, but there's still a lot of changes compared to where we were almost six months ago now. And so we need to be smart about how we do business. But luckily, there's stamps.com to make things a whole lot easier. Thousands of small business owners have already figured out the benefits of stamps.com throughout the course of this pandemic, and a lot of them, of course, even well before that. They've been able to keep their businesses running and avoid the crowds at the post office, all from their own computers. And with stamps.com, you can print postage on demand and avoid going to the post office. You'll save money with discounted rates you can't even get at the post office. Stamps.com also offers UPS services with discounts up to 62% and no residential surcharges. Stamps.com brings all the mailing and shipping services you need right to your computer in the comfort of your home or office. Whether you're a small business that's sending invoices or an online seller who's shipping out products or just working from home and you just need to mail stuff, Stamps.com can handle it all with ease. You simply use your computer to print official U.S. postage 24-7 for any letter, any package, any class of mail, anywhere you want to send. And once your mail is ready, you just leave it for your mail carrier or you can schedule a pickup or you can just drop it in the mailbox. It's that simple. 
And like I said, with stamps.com, you get great discounts too. Five cents off of every stamp and up to 62% off of UPS and United States Postal Service shipping rates. Stamps.com is a no-brainer, saving you time and money. Right now, Three Martini Lunch listeners can get a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus that free postage, and a digital scale without any long-term commitment. Just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in Three Martini, all one word, Three Martini. That's stamps.com, enter Three Martini. All right, Jim, let's talk about our second crazy martini, and Joe Biden is starring in this one as well. Uh, Yesterday, his main purpose for going to Pittsburgh was to give this speech with an odd backdrop. It was like a chain link fence behind him with an American flag. And then the the few reporters there were well socially distanced away from him. But he also talked about his economic plan, how we're going to bounce back from COVID and of course, it's uh, infrastructure. And he also mentioned energy. And since he was in Pennsylvania, where fracking is a big deal, and he would kind of like to win Pennsylvania, he tried to make the claim that he has never called for a fracking ban. Here's how he said it in the speech. I am not banning fracking. Let me say that again. I am not banning fracking, no matter how many times Donald Trump lies about me. Only problem, Jim, is we've got audio from Joe Biden during the presidential campaign. And uh, Americans for Tax Reform had a whole minute-long montage of little clips, but here's just two of them. One, this is a debate uh, where the question is coming from Dana Bash of CNN. I think this is pretty clear. Would there be any place for fossil fuels, including coal and fracking, in the Biden administration? No, we would we would work it out. We would make sure it's eliminated and no more subsidies for either one of those, either any fossil fuel. And another one. uh, This is Tim Alberta of Politico, formerly of National Review, asking Biden about this at a debate back in December. Vice President Biden, I'd like to ask you, three consecutive American presidents have enjoyed stints of explosive economic growth due to a boom in oil and natural gas production. As president, would you be willing to sacrifice some of that growth? even knowing potentially that it could displace thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of blue-collar workers in the interest of transitioning to that greener economy? The answer is yes. The answer is yes. And others have pointed out, Jim, that Kamala Harris is vociferously on the record for wanting to ban fracking as soon as possible, certainly on federal lands, and then she'd pursue legislation to do it entirely. Um, You got media out there saying Biden really only wanted, was only talking about federal land. He doesn't want to ban it necessarily altogether, but that's certainly not the impression he left. That ATR uh, montage also has him talking about getting rid of fossil fuels entirely. So for a guy who's largely embraced the Green New Deal, uh, this seems like another bit of reverse skating, Jim. First ignoring the violence in the cities for three months and now for even longer than that, uh, being allegedly on board the banning fracking bandwagon. And now that it might cost him in a pivotal state, he's backing away from it really fast. You know, Greg, I, I know we put this in as a crazy martini, but I, I, I do so under duress. I think you're being a little bit unfair. <laughs> there are three possible, perfectly reasonable and innocent explanations for why Joe Biden said this yesterday. Innocent explanation number one, Joe Biden just forgot what his position is. <laughs> as we said, you know, he's getting up in years. Uh, you know, maybe he just he totally, oh, I forgot all that stuff I said. I, I don't, you know, that or innocent, reasonable explanation number two. Joe Biden doesn't know what his position is. And at any given point, he just blurts out words and hope that they make sense in, in, in uh, that they line up with whatever his position has been in the past, is at that moment, or will be in the future. And then kind of the, the third one, I think, is probably the single most innocent and reasonable explanation 
for Joe Biden saying this yesterday. Greg, Joe Biden's position on fracking is dependent upon which state he's speaking in. <laughs> if he's in a, a one that's, you know, a, a Massachusetts or, or some pl- state that doesn't have a lot of fracking, by golly, he's vehemently opposed to it. He's going to do everything he can to stop it because he loves those trees. He hates domestic energy production. He hates what it does for the environment. Darn all those, those uh, carbon emissions and fossil fuels. And if he's in a swing state like Pennsylvania or, or any of those states where fracking is a big deal, Joe Biden will not touch it because he values those jobs. He touches those workers. I mean, he, he, he touches the lives <laughs> of those workers. Honest to good, folks, that was a Freudian slip. I did not plan on that one. Um, that, that, you know, he's still Scranton Joe, and he remembers what life is like in the middle of Pennsylvania and all that kind of stuff. So it's sort of a choose-your-own-adventure, dear, dear listeners. You decide which explanation makes the most sense. And as I said, they're all perfectly innocent and reasonable. Where do you want me? That is Joe Biden's <laughs> position on every single issue, and it changes depending on the circumstances. That is absolutely uh, amazing. Uh, Jim, nobody seems to realize, at least on the Democratic side, that natural gas is clean energy. Why, why don't they ever talk about that? Because it's blue, Greg. Now, that's <laughs> scary. I mean, what, what in nature is blue, right? Blueberries? No, blueberries are purple. Nothing in na- nature is blue. So if it's blue gas, it has to be here, even though I think it's artificial coloring. All right, let's talk about our third crazy martini now, Jim. And, you know, not too long ago, this wouldn't seem like a crazy martini, but these days it is when you see the polarization going on in the news. Uh, Objectivity has long been absent from primetime on cable news, regardless of which one you're watching. Uh, For the most part, it's pretty much evaporated now during the quote-unquote news portion of the day. I still think Brett Baer is is about as fair as you can find on cable news and, and maybe a couple of others during the day somewhere here and there. But now there's a new cable news channel that promises to just bring the facts. It's called WGN, America's news station. WGN, of course, the superstation out of Chicago. The reason I'm a Cubs fan, because I got to watch Harry Carey do Cubs games when I was a kid. But that's neither here nor there. In this story, it says, uh, this is deadline. On Tuesday evening comes a new entrant in the cable news wars, WGN, America's News Nation, a three-hour primetime newscast that promises a just-the-facts approach to viewers' daily diet. No outraged hosts, no endless panels of talking head commentary, no irreverent chirons. The bet is that in an era of polarization, what consumers crave is a program without a point of view. I don't know about that, but we'll see. I hope so, said Sean Compton, executive vice president of Nextstar Media Group, which owns WGN America and operates almost 200 stations. We want to present a newscast every night that you can sit and watch with your other family member that doesn't agree with you. So, Jim, we're about to find out if people actually want facts and not hosts that back up what they already think. Uh, but hopefully there is an appetite for this because the media world desperately needs something like this. Yeah, I, 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 I wish this new network every possible success. I, I hope it thrives. I hope it uh uh, restores what so many people has been lost from the field of journalism. And, and I'll make it, you know, the, the ultimate uh, admission against interest. You'll know this network is staying true to its mission if I don't appear on it. Uh, <laughs> and I say this, you know, I, you know, thinking fairly highly of myself, but I'm pretty right of center. And if they bring me on and say, Jim Garrity National Review, a uh, right of center sort of publication, okay, that's fine. Um, but if they bring me on to do Rock'em Sock'em Robots with uh, John Aravosis or any other left of center talk, Anna Marie Cox or any of the others, 
you know, then, then they're giving pretty much what the other cable news networks have done. And I, I'm a little skeptical that they will succeed. I'd like to see them succeed. I'm rooting for them. I'm pulling for them. Uh, I will, when, when it starts broadcasting, I will be checking it out. And there's, there, I think that there is an appetite, or this is going to be an initial curiosity for this. Uh, I'm thinking of the, the actor John Krasinski, who started out some good news. It was kind of just this YouTube series of him talking about good news going on during the pandemic because we all needed it pretty badly. So, you know, maybe it will occur. I think what will happen, though, is it will start out this way. And it will, you know, probably, hopefully have some success. But we would need a, a ownership and management that is really committed to this identity and is okay with it not necessarily being a ratings bonanza at first and to not necessarily be profitable or as profitable as overseeing on other cable news networks. And it's because... When you need content, you need something to fill the space in between the commercials. Some days the news environment is going to give you stuff where you're like, oh my goodness, and, and people tune in. Some days it won't. I know, I know that people don't remember such a thing as slow news days, hmm. but they exist. They, 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 weren't that exi- they existed not that long ago. And what's more, uh, Donald Trump has been this bonanza for both the news industry, large and small um, and particularly for cable news, both for you know, Fox News, because they know the president's watching and everybody's you know, tuned into this, but also if you can't stand Trump, you've got MSNBC, you've got CNN, um, and you, every day he's doing something or he's tweeting something that creates something for you to get a round table of journalists to get together and say, oh my goodness, can you believe this is the, two of them say this is the best thing that's possible, two of them say this is the worst thing that's possible, and you know, fight, go at it, rock'em, sock'em, robots, boom, boom, boom. And you might be looking at that and saying, I see these people all the time. Uh, I'm not, they're not saying anything all that insightful. I listen to Jim on the podcast every day. Why am I watching him on CNN? And you're, but the thing is, is that it's cheap. <laughs> and I'm not simply saying this because like some, you know, by compared to actually sending out a, a press team to Beirut to report on how they're recovering from that god-awful explosion, that costs money. Open up foreign bureaus, that costs, you know, all, actual news gathering costs way more than having a bunch of people sitting around a table yelling at each other. Uh, CNN for a lot of years had what they we earned the nickname fire alarm television, particularly during like the, the height of the war on terror. Something blows up in some foreign capital, you're turning on CNN. CNN's got the, the, uh, uh, the international bureaus. It's got people all around the world. It has got people on the ground who are going to give you good information. They're going to be on it. Fox had to rely on Sky News, which actually did a pretty good job most of the time. MSNBC generally had to rely on whatever affiliates or other foreign you know, uh, uh, partners they could find. And it didn't work out, as, work out as quite as well. So what we saw was, particularly during like the Bush years and early Obama years, you had uh, Fox News, which was right of center news for you know, the, the conservatives, for the Republicans. MSNBC, particularly in the Keith Olbermann, worst person in the world you know, era, was the, the left of center or Democratic news network. And for a long time, I know you don't, it's hard to believe, but CNN was seen as the sort of centrist one and the one that was closest to this ideal we're describing with this new network, Greg, of, of just focusing on real news. And the, re- the result was when something was blowing up, fire alarm television, people tuned into CNN. And then it went slow, eh, then they drifted over to Fox News or MSNBC because it was more interesting, because it was more dramatic. You were seeing people, you never knew when somebody was going to haul off and slug each other on those, you know, <laughs> pundit roundtable shows. And on CNN, it would be, you know, Wolf Blitzer, you know, cautiously telling people to stand by. And, uh, that's, <laughs> that, you know, so here's the thing. I hope that there's an audience for this kind of a network. I hope it thrives. I hope it succeeds. But the recent history of cable news indicates that sooner or later, ownership's going to look at that and say, well, 
this is doing okay, but we could do a much cheaper show of pundits yelling at each other. And our profit margins in that show would be way higher. And the question, the success of this network and whether it can be what it wants to be will be entirely dependent on how well it can resist that siren's call for low-cost, high-drama shows that have been the backbone of so many other cable news networks. You said it exactly right. Uh, not only is it easier in terms of uh, getting people just to talk as opposed to getting the story, it's a lot cheaper. But at, at the same time, because of that, there's so fewer stories that are talked about. They just recycle the same half dozen stories all day long, if it's even that many. Uh, whereas in a, a situation like this, even though they're only on three hours a day instead of 24, if you're just doing reporting, I bet they get to a lot more stuff if they stick to this format than a lot of the regular cable channels. And I hope they do because we, we're, we're constantly talking about stories that don't get attention, sometimes because mm -hmm. uh, the partisan elements of the media just don't want those stories to get attention. But some of it's just because uh, they've condition their audience to want the format that they have. And we've seen it before with some of these viral stories, whether it's Michael Jackson getting arrested or Terry Schiavo. Uh, if they went and talked about other stories just for a few minutes, whoop, the ratings would drop. And so they just kept talking about it and talking about it. But I think it's healthier for our society to have more information out there and less screaming. But you know, that's just us, Jim. Uh, maybe, maybe we're behind the eight ball now. Yep, and because you've touched on one of my favorite subjects, I'm just going to get one last point to give a good example. You're right. Your point about conditioning the audience is absolutely true. I don't know how much other forms of news would succeed because there's so rarely a sustained effort to give the audience something different. The, the format, the, the, the prototypical example that I keep, that keeps coming to mind, and I thought it was this, you know, I know about what Snowden was talking about the NSA doing because I had to look it up and research it for the, th the thrillers. I need to actually know how does it work when the NSA breaks into your computer. And I had to do this research. I had to learn a lot of stuff that just simply wasn't in the news coverage back when Edward Snowden was a big deal. Back when Edward Snowden was a big deal, the dominant tone of the coverage, and I went back and I checked, and a whole bunch of places used this as their headline for their both print articles and, news, uh, and online articles and, and video segments. Edward Snowden, hero or traitor? Like it's got to be one or the other. <laughs> it's also very much focused on the personality. It's focused on a figure. You may also remember, there was an enormous amount of coverage that discussed the pictures of his girlfriend, right? Fun visuals, right? When you're discussing how hacking works, there are no exciting, vis exciting visuals. That is why in every single thriller movie, when somebody needs to hack, there's all this taping noise. And often there's very fancy, extremely unrealistic computer graphics of what happens when hacking goes. Nonetheless, hacking is important. Hacking is the sort of thing the general public probably ought to know about because of all the different ways that cybersecurity can relate to, our, to what's going on in our lives. But that's complicated. And that might be boring. And it's not as exciting as having two pundits saying, Edward Snowden is a hero, and having two pundits yelling, Edward Snowden is a traitor, and letting them go at it for 15 minutes until it's a commercial break. Oh. Can you tell I've got a lot to say on this? Yes, yes. Good luck, WGN America. This is exactly what we need. Hopefully you can pull it off successfully. I guess we'll find out. Jim, have a good Tuesday. See you tomorrow. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus of Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. Don't forget about our wonderful sponsors over at Stamps.com. Four-week trial, free postage, digital scale, lots of savings. Go to Stamps.com. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in three martini. Also, please subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch. We would love to have a five-star rating and a kind review. And also, don't forget about those home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch podcast. And please join us on Wednesday for the next Three Martini Lunch.